I'm Francesca Donnellan. Welcome to Becoming More Human, the podcast. Every generation, through its arts and creativity, explores the same questions. Who am I and what really matters? We are so often taught how to emulate others to make other people happy. But how do we access what's good for ourselves and be strong enough to actually claim it? It's a constant practice because we all keep evolving. There are no limits to personal growth. You can start your journey today and get closer to discovering your true self. Give back to the people around you and make the world a better place. Welcome back, everybody, to Becoming More Human. Thank you for joining us on this journey for another week of a stellar, stellar lineup of interviews we've had over the last few weeks. And Uncle Kevin, I can't wait to dive in with you this week. How are you doing, more importantly? I'm doing very well, thank you, Fran. Um, happy, what day of the week is it? Tuesday, Wednesday, I've kind of forgotten. I'm retired now, I don't have to remember what day of the week ah, it is. Ah, yeah, you just live. Yeah, living life a luxury now, are we? Just very chilled. That's right. I love that. Well, I am probably what another thirty years off of that. (laughs) God damn it! That seems like a long time. No, absolutely not. Well, just to you know, infill the time a little bit. You know, life goes a bit faster. We are um, we are down another interview this week. Really, really, really brilliant interview. With the icon that is Sadie Frost, she is, we should, for our American listeners, Sadie Frost is a British icon. She's been around, she was big in the 90s. Um, she's part of what we call, and what the media have coined um, her, is part of the Primrose Hill set, which is a really, really beautiful part of London, Primrose Hill. Most people would have heard of it. And it's that sort of area of London that um, a lot of all the it crowd would congregate back in the in the I would describe the more sort of cooler time to be around to be a celebrity in my opinion there used to be a lot happening around that time and she was married to Gary Kemp and Jude Law so she she has seen a lot she's lived through a lot of that you know celebrity life that sort of you know sex drugs and rock and roll that you read about in the press when actually if you speak to her I think that she's had a really interesting life and seems to have done what she can to have grounded herself and her children along the journey. She's recently bought a house in the countryside, which I absolutely love. I hadn't expected that, Uncle Uncle Kevin. I thought, you know, she'd always be a London girl. And I think she obviously is at heart, but you find yourself, she's discovered, what I loved about her is how she's evolved as a person. She's kind of not, she didn't discover herself and sort of stay there and, and kind of play into the media's hands and um, stay in that zone of just being, you know, a Primrose Hill set, you know, an icon of, of that time. She actually has evolved herself considerably and progressed and learned. And as we sort of say in the, in the podcast a lot, when we speak to people, there's kind of different chapters of your life. And I feel like she's in that amazing chapter now of her life where she's exploring different roles and being able to explore the countryside and a different version of who she is. So I found it really interesting. You know, as you were speaking, uh, because she, she did actually say at one point, and she was, found herself at a point where she could not evolve anymore as a person if she stayed where she was. The phrase I suddenly thought of, rather than midlife crisis, she's having a midlife growth spurt. Yes, of growth spurt. You only think about that when you're like eight years old. <laughs> right, but she, she, was, she described basically 
this midlife transition where she no longer stayed where um, she and society and the media told her, you know, she she belonged. And she said, well, you know, yeah, I do belong there. And that doesn't mean I can't also belong somewhere else. So she took a both-and yeah. approach and, and then branched out into the country and into a, a more literally spacious and spatial way of living in the world. It, it was very interesting because I'm afraid, you know, I left England in 91, so I, I wasn't really familiar with her. Uh, I had to look her up. Um, and uh, yes, as you say, she was married to two very well-known guys and has some lovely kids. There are photos, you know, of them grown up uh, as, as adults now. And to hear her story, I was very touched by this idea that, and it's a bit what we talked about last week, that the, the, the story of her life, she took control of it. Mm. And by taking control of it, she was able to, able to give it a new direction. That's exactly what the, the middle of life uh, should be about. I agree. And, and I think delightful to, to see somebody do that. I think looking at somebody in the public eye, it's nice and easy for, you know, the, the average Joe, i.e. me and you, Uncle Kevin, to and the listeners to kind of look at that and her life as it unfolds, because a lot of it is in the public eye. You can learn so much from it yourself, you know, She's always had options. She could have always stayed exactly where she was. And like we all can, and most of us often do just stay where we are. And it takes a lot to evolve. And I think it takes a huge amount to do that when you're sort of faced with the public eye and a persona and a person that, you know, is trying to evolve, you know, personally, but also professionally and and being know that you're going to be judged by the media. You know, it's not being judged by your friend or your next door neighbor or your mum or your dad or whoever. It's judgment by media if you were to kind of do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, look out of place. And I think it's very easy to to criticize people in those roles a lot of the time but i think it takes a lot of courage um for somebody to take control of their life like that it's a nice reminder for people listening to look at their own life and see well what do i need to take take control of now what do i need to steer to make things happen like am i right where i meant to be or have i just been coasting have i controlled any of this am i really happy i mean they're all big big questions but i think people like sadie if she doesn't work she doesn't earn she doesn't take home a paycheck she is very much you know self-sufficient in that sense she goes around and she makes jobs happen when you've been brought up in that world a bit as well you naturally have an affinity towards going on that sort of self-development journey a bit and asking those questions because you're sort of reinventing yourself in a way you know we talk about these different chapters it's a it's a reinvention in in, in a small sort of capacity and we need to ask ourselves those questions they're they, they're huge i think uncle kevin but they're so important because i think you can ask yourself at any stage and at any age that you're at and you have the power to change that the power is in your hands as the owner as as we've said before i think we are the ceo of our lives um we often forget that she said you know obviously like people you know i i want peace in the world but i can't create peace in the world until i can create peace within myself mm. and, and that's a wonderful line and it's very true she was willing to do the work uh, of finding you know what were the warring elements within herself and bring that to a place of uh, restitution and balance can't always take them away, but you can bring them to, or you can work towards bringing them to balance. And she really did have this idea and expressed it 
uh, she had through her life, that she wants to, well, there was a line she said at the end, you know, in your, your famous last question oh, yeah. about what does being fully human or being fully human mean to you? And she said yeah, something right. like, you really know who you are when you're a kid, but then you spend the rest of your life trying to rediscover it. Yes, I and thought that was so interesting. Yeah, and it's a bit of what we were talking about last week as well, that, that the, she realized that the dreams and hopes and aspirations she had as a child got overtaken by history and choices, and that's just reality. There was never going to be a time when all of them came true all at the same time simultaneously, but she didn't forget that she had them. And she went back into mm. that little hidden place and said, well, what were some of these aspirations and hopes and dreams? Who was the bigger version of me that I thought of being then? And how can I bring some of that to pass now? I, I agree. It's one of the, it's, we've had some wonderful answers to that question. And this one, again, just brings me back. And, and I think for anyone who wants to reflect, who do I want to be now? When I was a hospice chaplain, even with, with patients who were on the program, they weren't actively dying, but you know, they were on hospice. They, they weren't going to be around for very much longer. But even then, I would say to them, you have a choice. You can live out of yesterday or into tomorrow. And we mm. all have that choice every day. You may end up doing exactly the same things, but who do I want to be while I'm doing them? Mm. And that is what we mean when we say be the CEO of your, your own life. I may have to do exactly the same things today as I did yesterday and do exactly the same tomorrow. Yeah. I get to be who I am rather than just this person who does these jobs. And that's where our humanity comes in. And when we see people, and I, I believe in the media and, uh, and in our, uh, if we're lucky in our own families and friend groups, when we see people who are, who always seem to be a little bit more content than everybody else. It's because they're living their life on their own terms. No, they don't have everything. No, they still have to work. No, they still have to you know, look after the kids and pay the bills and all the rest of it. And they get to choose who they are in the moment while they're doing it all. So, you know, it was fascinating to, to look up her story online, which we can do these days. Yeah. And then to hear her interview and to say, you know, what lessons can I learn from this life story? Because mm. she's certainly putting them out there for people to borrow. I love the fact that she does meditation as well. I think having these tools are so important. And some of the interviews that we've done so far, lots of people have, have done meditation as part of their daily routine. And then you hear some people that say, oh, no, that is not for me. You know, my personality type, I just couldn't do that. And I... It's, it makes me sad, people who say that, because it is a, the most life-changing thing to be able to, to tap into yourself in that way. And it's free. And what it does to your brain and how it opens up your mind, it is rather special. And she's obviously been through addiction. They can't fix addiction. You know, that's something that they, they can't fix, so to speak. But obviously, there are pills out there, which scientists are looking into to see how it helps certain parts of the brain that clearly is affected addiction but the other side to that is meditation and the way it opens your brain the way it moves things around and I was really surprised she talked openly about that and about her, her story through you know AA as well I know that you've been part of of those sort of talks and and been in the room and so have I and it is quite amazing it, 
it's quite it's hard to put into words uncle kevin without obviously everyone going and it's a shame you know obviously we don't want everyone to be an addict but also <laughs> at the same time it's probably one of the most amazing experiences and she kind of conveyed that and the spiritual practice that's involved in breaking and getting through addiction is it, there is something magic about it because at the end of the day you know aa does work and it's that human to human connection that so often we don't have in this modern world so i was very thankful to her for sharing that because it's never easy even if you're coming out the other side and you're you know you're in your 50s like she is and she's sort of finding some things easier i think it's still a, a tough subject to to discuss two things there fran i, I want to comment on first of all going back to meditation one of the things i found uh, over the decades is that word can turn some people off they have somebody who's told them oh you should do meditation and come and do it with me or go to my class and and they're like, this doesn't work for me. My back aches and and I'm fidgety and I can't breathe properly and I just don't like it. Yeah. And so, you know, then meditation yeah. comes and becomes like something I don't want to do. So one of the things to ask people is think for yourself, what are the benefits of meditation? So maybe clarity of mind or mm. finding your breathing relaxes a bit more. And then say, so, you know, what what do you do or what can you do that would give you these benefits? From my perspective, and others may disagree, but from my perspective, if they are getting the benefits of doing the meditation, I don't care what they call it. Yeah, exactly. Going and sitting in nature and just watching a river puddle by mm -hmm. or going fishing uh, or um going to the airport and just watching the planes fly off. If that gives them the benefit of what people would say, you know, meditation does, then I for one don't care. It's like, yeah, good, I just agree. To go and do that. And if you can't do it every day for 10 minutes, you know, the beauty of meditation is you can go and sit in the toilet, lock the door and have 10 minutes and, and you know, make it work almost anywhere. You can't go Perhaps. fishing in the middle of the day without people noticing. So yeah. there's a benefit in learning something around the skill of meditation. Mm. But but that would be my first thing is to, for everyone listening, okay, meditation may not be for you. It probably is worth trying and yoga and stuff. But think for yourself, what other things in my life that I could do that would give me similar benefits? It may be mm. finding peace and quiet and having a cup of tea. Or a glass of wine. I was about to, well, I was actually about to say that, Uncle Kevin. I think for me, it's sometimes just being up just 10 minutes earlier, just to sit outside with a cup of tea or coffee with the dog, and it's deathly quiet. And I think that silence around you is worth everything. And it's just five minutes, it's like, oh, undisturbed. Right, I'm ready to go. Silence is, we talked last week about laughter being a great healer. Silence and stillness are also great healers. Now, we have to remember that both silence and stillness come in two forms. They are either the absence of something, so the absence of noise or the absence of movement, or they are the presence of something. What we're looking for is situations that give you the presence of silence and the presence of stillness. 
not not just their absence. Yeah. The absence comes first. Oh, good. There's no noise. Now, how do I find the silence in this moment of no noise? Mm. And that's a conscious act. Yeah. I live in a very quiet neighborhood. It's silent here most of the time. But I, I'm not always in touch with the silence. It's just an absence that's going on around me. To be yeah, in touch with the silence and to be in touch yeah. with illness is, is where we find the benefits of those two things. So you yeah, can go to the monastery, you know, and be silent and still for an entire day, and it won't benefit you unless you surrender to the, that space and that absence and find it within you, and not just the absence within yourself, but also the presence within yourself. Mm, well, as you can probably hear in the background, my dog has found her silence by falling to sleep right behind me as I'm recording, snoozing and snoring somewhat loudly. So anyway, she's found her silence, Uncle Kevin. <laughs> and you know, that's okay because silence, the presence of silence is not always just the absence of noise. Mm. You can be very silent, you know, sharing a room with a dog or a human or a cat or sleeping. And just the regularity of their breathing and their little snorts and crackles and all the rest of it. If you're in a place of silence, they just wash over you. So yeah, you don't have to have absolute absence of noise to still have silence. It's something we find in ourselves. And we practice it so that we get better at it, basically. Mm. And, then, and then just to touch to the, the, the 12 step program, which most people know yeah. AA program, um, you don't have to be uh, an addict to participate in the 12 step program. I think Sadie mentioned Al Anon, which yeah, she is did. for people who uh, are family members or friends of people who are addicts. And it's a 12 step program to use the benefits of the 12 steps to, to walk a parallel journey for yourself alongside somebody who may or may not be in 12 step. You know, it's lovely yeah. if, if, if some, you know, you're accompanying somebody who is in 12 step, but there is a program for, for, for those of us who don't identify as addicts, but are aware of the potential for addiction uh, in anyone's life. And in fact, the one thing about Al-Anon is it's a great place to work out what you actually are addicted to. And it's not necessarily things like alcohol or drugs or sex or shopping or eating. I, for instance, I definitely have an addiction to having the last word. That was one, one of the things I identified when I was doing the 12 step. It's like, because it, it, it's around how do I use power and, and yeah. why do I use power? So mm. if anyone's interested in doing a program, you might want to look it up. Um, it's been going for since the, the late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. From my money, it is one of the most powerful and best communities ever invented. Like I had no idea about this at all. And having, you know, got my coaching degree in 2019 so quite a few years ago now and having been a part of that coaching world and therapy style world and all of it 
I was blown away by the 12-step program because if I had to design a program and, I, and, and I've looked at doing that for myself and it's not something I want to, I want to do at this stage of my life, but I was looking into it and I did think you can't beat the 12 steps. It is phenomenal. And then to be part of the group and, and to experience it personally, it's, it's even more phenomenal in person. It needs to be taught to everybody regardless of addiction because it is the basis of life i know it has a bit of an undertone of religion but it is spiritual and you know a lot of alcoholics that i've seen that go that you wouldn't you wouldn't think some of these very stereotypical looking alcoholic men would give a rat's ass about religion and they don't but what they have clicked into is spirituality and what they have understood and everybody on that who does the 12-step program understands, millions of people have done it, is finding your higher self, finding there is something greater than you out there and finding something that represents the higher self. And that really blew my mind because the people in this program, they're not they're not like me, who is, you know, a young 30 year old sitting on Instagram, you know, looking at all the spiritual hashtags and all the content that's sitting out there and, you know, trying to do some of her work behind the scenes. These are people who are genuinely struggling in life and they could turn lots of different ways. And actually they've turned to human connection. It's what the 12 step is about. Human connection, non-judgmental. Nobody passes comment. Nobody says anything and to connect to a higher self and looking at the, all the generations that take part in it to all click into that same thing for, for, for the number of years it's gone on for when social media and spirituality and wellness wasn't even a thing, this stands the test of time and it just blew my mind. I would really encourage anyone to, to be open enough to, to, to do it and to look at it and to be part of it. I think it was fascinating. I wish it was accessible for all of us in that sense. Yeah, uh, the idea of bringing 12-step spirituality into schools, uh, I, I don't know how it would happen, but gosh, that yeah. would be amazing. The, the one thing I think we need to tell people who are not familiar with it is 12-step programs come from a place of people recognizing that they have hit bottom and they've lost control yeah. of their lives. Yeah. And for most of us, that's not something we admit to. Mm -hmm. So one of the one of the things about people who have hit bottom is they've given up trying to sell the story of themselves as a success. Yes, and I've recently heard a celebrity tell a story of their journey recently, and that exact point hit me between the eyes because this chap has done 20 years of trying to be sober and you know addiction free everything but one thing he admitted to after all this time is that he admitted that he'd never told the truth in any of his therapy sessions because wow. he learned how to mask it and it was only like right at this age and he's relapsed twice he's put his family through hell and the reality is he still hasn't been honest it's easy. You work the system. You can work a therapy system. You can work a coaching system. You can work all of those systems to tell people, the professionals, exactly what they want to hear. And smart people do that because they're hiding other things. And 
you know, what he hadn't ever addressed was his upbringing and his childhood. And that was the big missing piece that maybe would have stopped the relapses, stopped certain things happening, you know, but he didn't want to face it. So that is so true, Uncle Kevin. I think, I think that's trying to get real with ourselves and having those awkward and like tough conversations and, and being honest in the room when you've got a professional help. Otherwise the cycle doesn't stop and it will keep going for years until as you mentioned, you hit rock bottom and something like AA comes into play. You know, there's a, there's a biblical line to, to paraphrase slightly, what benefit, what good does it do a person if they gain the whole world but lose their self? Yes, I love and, that. Love that. You know, in, in the biblical version, it says lose their soul. But, but yeah. I, I prefer to say, what does it benefit you if you gain the world but lose yourself? Hmm. myself is the only thing i have i don't have my image i don't have my media profile ultimately we only have ourselves and the degree to which we want to engage in exploring the truth for ourselves of who we are it's only for ourselves so 12-step meetings are anonymous there's not a there's not a a sign-in list you know, you don't, no. you know, uh, join a club and then sort of have social meetings and stuff like that. The whole point is we do this personal journey in community. It, it's the basis of any good church. I, I would love, and there are a couple, uh, and there's not one near me, but I would love to go to a church that is based on 12-step spirituality. Mm. Because yeah, I agree. it digs into the absolute truth of who each of us is for ourselves. It's not to be judged by others. Yeah. It's not to judge others. It's not to hold out a carrot of heaven or hell or anything like that. It's like, in this moment, can you be you? Can I be I, me? That's the invitation. Yeah. And, and it, it's phenomenal. And it is the basis of every good spiritual practice. To, as Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. We find ourselves when we decide to let go of the images. Uh, I mentioned last week that I've been to New York and saw some plays. There's um, one that may come to London or was travel around a bit called Fat Ham. And it's Mm. uh, (laughs) a black uh, contemporary takeoff of Shakespeare's Hamlet, from which Do I Know the Self Between Comes. And Fat Ham, it's a great name. And rather than the famous Hamlet line of to be or not to be, which they don't sort of dig into, they take the, this line, you know, to thine own self be true, as a way of exploring the characters. It's a comedy, it's hysterical, and it packs a wonderful punch about identity. We've known this truth for uh, centuries. Yeah. The human journey is to be true to yourself. If we could just learn to be gracious to ourselves and to one another on the journey, and to, and again, you see this in AA, in 12-step meetings generally, when somebody has done the work for themselves and has come to a realization in, in themselves, for themselves, the only thing they're going to receive is affirmation. So that's the gift mm. we can give each other. As I am on the journey, and I may not feel I've got it completed, but I can say, 
well done to you for the journey you've done and not be jealous of that. Just be grateful that at least you have got out of the hole that I still find myself in. So it it Mm. brings out all the very best of what it is to be human. And it was lovely to have Sadie have that level of honesty and integrity and share that story with us. And and, uh, may she carry on. May her movies be great successes and may her life be joyous. But may she also carry on telling that story so that uh, others can find the strength to journey for themselves. Yeah, I agree. It was, it's a great it's a great interview. Please go back and, and listen and, and let us know what you think. Thank you, Uncle Kevin. I've loved unpacking Sadie's interview this week. I hope you have a wonderful evening, a great rest of your week too. Thank you so very much, Fran. Look after yourself and uh, I hope the weather's good. I'm Francesca Donnellan and you've been listening to Becoming More Human, the podcast. You can follow Becoming More Human on Instagram, subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your podcast apps such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon and Google. And don't forget to check out our website for exclusive audio content on becomingmorehuman.co.uk. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.